Hi there. I'm Michael Marvash, and this is the Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about life and what it feels like to be alive. I've been out of the country for a few weeks and was in the Southern Hemisphere, so it was summer there. And while I was there, we had quite a bit of winter up here in Idaho. It snowed several times from what I understand and has snowed a couple times since we got back on Friday. It's snowing right now. So, there's a lot of winter up here in the mountains. There was so much snow piled on the side of the road that I couldn't even park at my normal spot. I had to drive all the way up to the end of the road where the, the ski club is so I could use their parking lot. Last time, I sketched out the bones of a philosophy about how in all of our relating to other things, we should behave with love because love fosters life and life is good, not just human life, not any specific individual life, but life in general. It is good for there to be living things because life is the way by which the universe experiences itself and perhaps has a chance to in the very, very distant future, take some measure of control over its own development, perhaps. I've been thinking about that idea a lot, of course. And the similarities to other religions, at least those I know of, are striking. It seems like any any religious concept of God seems to be an attempt by our limited human minds to grapple with the fact that there are things that are bigger than us, bigger than our minds can wrap themselves around. And I tend to think of that thing as being the universe. And certainly the universe is just a word that we have to describe everything. And I, you know, thinking back on my years as a Christian, I think that was, that's very similar to what I meant when I thought of God spoke of God. 
Except I think that God, for me anyway, the, the idea of God emphasized more the human parts of that bigger thing. The word God specifically referred to the parts of the big thing that were like human beings, that were comprehensible to us. So when I talk about the universe, I try to separate that, I suppose, a bit. Though, of course, human beings and human culture and human perspectives are also a part of the universe. Anyway, what struck me was that a, a key point in so many major world religions, Christianity and Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, and Hinduism, as far as I know, a big focus of those religions is on love, is on viewing the world with love and relating to others with love. And I think that these religions I mentioned and others tend to focus more or less on human interpersonal relationships and not necessarily on the relationships between humans and other types of life. But what struck me is the similarity there, is that maybe the truest expression of these religions all has at its core this message of love, of interacting with your world in a loving, compassionate manner. <laughs> and I chuckle because it surprised me a little bit, I guess, that this philosophy that came to me is in a way, very religious in nature, in that its outcome is this value of loving others, of loving oneself, of loving the world, of loving all different things that you experience and encounter. That value being so similar to the core values of the religions of the world. Or maybe that shouldn't surprise me at all. But I guess the next thing that struck me is how, in actuality, so many of the people practicing those religions, professing to practice them anyway, so often don't behave with love. Don't seem to anyway. And I came across a story reminded me of this that I wanted to read to you. In ancient times, there lived a man who possessed a ring of inestimable worth. Its stone was an opal that emitted a hundred colors, but its real value lay in its ability to make its wearer beloved of God and man. The ring passed from father to most favored son for many generations, until finally its owner was a father with three sons, all equally favored. Unable to decide which of the three was most worthy, 
The father con- commissioned a master artisan to make two exact copies of the ring, then gave each son a ring, and each son believed that he alone had inherited the true ring. But instead of harmony, the father's plan brought only discord to his heirs. Shortly after their father died, each of the sons claimed to be the sole ruler of their father's house, each basing his claim to authority on the ring given to him by the father. The discord grew even stronger and more hateful when a close examination of the rings failed to disclose any differences. The dispute among the brothers grew until their case was finally brought before a judge. After hearing the history of the original ring and its miraculous powers, the judge pronounced his conclusion. The authentic ring, he said, had the power to make its owner beloved of God and man. But each of your rings has brought only hatred and strife. None of you is loved by others. Each loves only himself. Therefore, I must conclude that none of you has the original ring. Your father must have lost it, then attempted to hide his loss by having three counterfeit rings made, and those are the rings causing you so much grief. The judge continued, Or it may be that your father, weary of the tyranny of a single ring, made true duplicates, which he gave to you. Let each of you demonstrate his belief in the power of his ring by conducting his life in such a manner that he fully merits the love of God and man, as the true ring promises. A lot of what frustrates and disillusions me, and I assume a lot of other people, about religion is the division it brings the the discord and strife and grief mentioned in the story and so i love the fact that the story points out that each religion is perhaps just a different expression of the same truth and that truth should result in being beloved, in loving, in behaving with kindness and compassion and empathy, and in our in our zeal to be right and to feel like we have a monopoly on the truth. We lose sight of the truth, of that truth, which tells us how we ought to behave. So, if this strikes a chord in you, if you agree with me, how can you demonstrate this in your life, demonstrate an awareness of this truth. Are there any relationships of yours or any areas of your life that could use a little more love, a little more selflessness? Certainly that's the case for me. There are relationships I've neglected or times that I'm wasteful or find myself ignoring or discounting other people because 
I don't like them. And that's really too bad. I shouldn't... I should be trying to be better about that. To be better about, in all things, relating to others and other things with love. And I hope you will too. So, I have, over the next week, several goals to find new guests, new conversation partners for Dead Man's Forest. Things have stagnated a bit on that point, and I want to bring them back around. I have a number of people I'll be reaching out to and trying to line up some conversations so that you can learn from the wisdom that other people have in abundance. And as always, if you have any thoughts that you think are worth sharing, and trust me, you do, then please reach out to me and let me know that you're there. I'm listening on deadmansforest.org. Thanks for being here, and thanks for choosing to try to behave more lovingly in all areas of your life. I will talk to you next week. Until then, bye-bye.